The following is a paid commercial program, and the views expressed are those of the speaker and do not reflect the views or opinions of iHeartRadio, its staff, or management. Good afternoon to one and all. It's time once again for another edition of the Pete Andreessen Show here on Power Talk Radio, 1460 and 101 FM. And lots to talk about on the program this week. Uh, Last week we talked to a couple of ex-Californians who had uh, made tracks for Texas. And this week we're going to talk with a former Californian who's now living all the way across the country in Florida. And we're going to find out a little bit about what the motivations were to move to the Sunshine State and how it's working out. So uh, without much further ado, let's go ahead and bring our host, Pete Andreessen, on the line. Pete? Great to be here. Well, today's show, we're going to talk about the stock market. And then we're going to talk with our special guest, Tim McFadden. He's a long-term, long-time dedicated California native. He moved to New York and then to Florida and we're going to explore what's the story there. I, I have to say, before we go any farther, uh, Tim McFadden is one of the dedicated community servants. He's one of the most selfless and family-oriented people I've ever met in my life. He's a former bell ringer at the San Carlos Cathedral in Monterey, so his roots run deep. He's a former crossing guard at the Monterey schools, so he dedicates himself to whatever needed doing. Um He's a former CHP officer who was retired medically after being run over on the job on the freeway and yet came back dedicated even more to helping others. That's the kind of person we don't want to lose in California. We want that kind of person to be here, and yet there he is in Florida. So let's hear how that happened. But before we get started discussing the world with Tim, let's pause for a bit of a financial update. As you know, One of my ongoing themes is that the elites manipulate us time and time again. You can see that because now on Facebook, uh, it's legal to talk again about the coronavirus coming possibly out of a lab. They don't know yet, but anyway, Facebook won't censor you if you talk about it. The elites look after themselves, but the American people, the rest of us, are mostly sane. And here's some proof. According to the White House, and I got this from By the Numbers Research, President Joe Biden and his wife reported an adjusted gross income of $607,336 for tax year 2020, a bit more than the presidential salary. Vice President Kamala Harris and her husband reported an adjusted gross income of $1,695,225 for tax year 2020. While we were having a pandemic, of course, the elites were rocking out. And uh, their pandemic experience, I have to say, was probably pretty darn good. Meanwhile, according to the Department of Commerce, the personal savings rate in the United States for the first quarter of this year, 2021, was 21%. So the personal savings rate in the United States in the first quarter of 2001, that's 20 years ago, was 5%. We've gotten more cautious. Disasters have made us learn. You know, th- th- these old dogs can still be taught. Mm. The personal savings rate is basically after-tax income, less consumption spending, divided by their after-tax income. So most Americans are both frugal and wise. 
while the elites are telling us how life sucks, we're still getting it done. And I want to add also that's changing. <laughs> According to that Federal Reserve Bank of New York, 59% of households, that's about 60%, made a large purchase during the first four months of 2021. We're coming out from under our uh, cloud here. Okay. The highest percentage reported in five years. So we're frugal, we're wise, and we're cautious. Pete, can I add something about that savings rate? Sure. What is really encouraging about that, and, and I don't know if everybody who is in that you know 21% um, realizes this, but that's where capital formation comes from, right? The, the, the money that we save and invest into retirement vehicles, that's money that's used, that, that is lent out, to build businesses and create more wealth and keep that cycle going. So the Keynesian idea that, um, you know, instant gratification spending, that the most important thing in the economy is, you know, you get money and you spend it right away because you want to, you know, sugar high the economy for a little while. Um, that's not necessarily the smartest thing to do because it deprives the markets of capital formation that are so important for the long-term health of the economy. So it's it, that's actually encouraging to see that um, that we've got that kind of money in a, in, a, in a savings program, although there are people out there among the elites who think it's a bad idea. Right. Bottom line, people manage their own money best. Yep. I think we can say that. The other thing is uh, U.S. credit card debt, I have to point out, peaked at $930 billion in uh, December of 2019, but it's fallen 17% since then. That's uh, It's fallen $157 billion as of last month. So we're wise, we're cautious, and we're conservative, and we know best – the average American knows best how to spend his or her money. And with that in mind, um, we do know that corporations are creating too much debt. I've talked about our um, monopoly money economy. I've talked about uh, the fact that government is creating a lot of debt, but the American people are staying cautious. So let's stay cautious out there. It's, uh, we're not done yet. This thing is the biggest thing since COVID is the biggest thing since World War II. Stay cautious, stay diversified, and just remember good things are happening, and we are making them happen to some degree. So, okay, I take pride. I take great pride uh, in introducing, uh, I think, Tim, you are related to both descended from Pocahontas and Charlemagne, uh, as are many Americans, but it just shows that the man has very deep roots to the world and uh, of all the i mean half my friends have moved away from california um but uh i miss you a lot so how's it going out there can you tell us a little bit about your unique life story where did you start out tim i started out at the uh the old monterey hospital back oh. in the 50s back and, in the 50s Yep, and, and actually my mom had to stay a couple of days. My grandmother was a nurse. She wrapped me in a blanket, told the nurse in charge that uh, she'd taken me home, and I went four blocks up Spaghetti Hill in Monterey. And uh, off and on, I spent 54 years in that house when my grandmother took me. 
Wow. So you lived in the same house? I looked down at Colton Hall in the old uh, city jail. Wow. Most of my childhood. And my adult life, I raised my children in that same house. In in Monterey? In Monterey. Mm-hmm. I have to ask, uh, you know, um, how, in your 54 years in Monterey, how did it change? I remember it being a, you know, a small town, 7,000 people or so. It, it, it claims to be 24,000 now, maybe 20,000 live there permanently. So not massive changes. It's structurally, politically, it's pretty middle of the road, and I think it still is there, unlike the rest of California. Um, and, and pleased with that, I, I do miss Monterey in, in and of itself. But in the first, but you left California and went to New York. I did. And what? How did that turn out? What What caused it, and what happened? What happened when you got there? I relocated to Western New York, where they grow endless apple orchards, cabbage, and corn in the West. It's not New York City like people would think. Um, it's more like Northern California as far as. Okay what they do. Um, but what caused me to go there quite simply was a pretty girl. So the story of most men. Yeah. Good pretty for you. <laughs> yeah. And, and how did that turn out when you got to New York? What caused I noticed you're in Florida now. So what caused you to move from New York to Florida? We knew that was temporary. We had a five year plan. It had to do with her family, her mom's, um, brothers and sisters were approaching 90 and needed, a little assistance mm-hmm. and um that ended in four years unfortunately um it went a little, we knew it would be temporary because of the taxes and the politics uh too similar to california um the politics are governed by new york city much like the politics in california are sacramento san francisco and uh, los angeles the large um urban areas tend to dominate those who are working and supporting the state. doesn't matter what state you go to. It seems to be the same. So the urban areas dominate. And how did you see that in New York? What, what, how did that manifest? Well, uh, my impression was that New York City just sucks the rest of a beautiful state dry. Um, there are hardworking people in western New York. One of my favorite places to dine was the Brockport Diner, downtown Brockport. And on Friday nights, you'd see 70-year-old couples coming in after a day in the fields, working their own property for the one meal they're going to eat out that week. Um, families were there. It was, it was wonderful. We, Rather than renting, we bought a, a modest, average American home there, um, $150,000. Mm-hmm. And um, it seems very cheap for California. Um, but the taxes... The taxes this year on that home that, that we aren't in now are $8,000. Wow. For a $150,000 home. So there's a tremendous cost of living there. Yeah. I'll imposed jump. by the yeah. urban. Oh, very much so. And I'll, I'll jump into Florida real quick and then go back to New York and, and why we, how we looked and what right. we found. But down here we have about the same house. Mm-hmm. New because it's Florida, but it's a $300,000 house. And in our first year, um, our taxes were 
$2,000. Do the math on that if you want. I, I think dollar for dollar, the taxes are eight times higher for your dollar in New York yes. than they are in Florida. And I, I, I could be off. I'm not a human calculator. Um, but you're not yeah. alone. You know, people, the California, New York is, according to the census, seeing an exodus of the producing class due to taxation. Oh, you, you can't rent a U-Haul in New York to come to Florida. You can't. They won't rent it to you. Um, so a lot of things a lot of things governed where, where we went. Um, oh, if, if I could, I just want to rub a little salt in the wound here. Uh, when we got our $2,000 property tax bill, if we paid it early, they'd give us a discount down to $1,850. What so, state gives you a discount for paying early? Yeah. <laughs> I fell out of my chair. Now, why did you pick Florida, though? What's the specific reasons for picking Florida? Um, up in New York, we took our five or four years, and we plotted, we studied, we, we read reports, we looked at, we needed, we needed a permanent home. You know, I'm, I'm in my early 60s, my, my wife's in her, her 50s, and we knew we needed a place for 20 years or more. Um. We wanted things like long-term health care, a hospital nearby. We wanted uh, transportation because we were far from all our families, wherever we would go. Um, so we wanted good transportation, airlines, airports, um, things of that nature. But we wanted politics mostly that balanced our lifestyle. We wanted moderate politics or lightly conservative. Hard to, find, hard to find in the country. Um and so we checked states off the list and, until we had a few that were left. Another one was taxes. I'm yep. sure that the states like Montana, Wyoming, Arizona, um, you know, Nevada, um, Florida, states of that nature, we, we came down to about four or five states. And then we looked at weather. What's the weather like? Arizona's a little too much. Um, on the other extreme, Montana was a little too cold. Right. Um, so we played Goldilocks. Right. And how is the weather there? Um, in the, it, it, it's wonderful. In the winter, it's about uh, seventy-five, mm-hmm. and in the summer, it's about eighty-five where we're at. Okay. Um, we had to look at weather. We picked. We looked at many different places, and some some places had. Um, crime stats I didn't like. Tampa and uh, Miami, they were higher than I wanted. Other places might have hurricane issues like uh, the uh, uh, Gulf of Mexico. Right. Cape Canaveral was picked for the Apollo missions for one good reason. In 175 years, they've never had anything over Category 2. Usually they get a Category 1 if they get a hurricane at home. So Cape Canaveral was our choice. That makes sense. You figure they picked Cape Canaveral because of its stability in terms of weather. That's a good idea. That's a good thought. I hadn't thought of that. My first Friday here was wonderful. We went to the local government office down the street. They were happy. They were friendly. Um, They were glad to see us. We uh, registered our cars. It's basically the DMV tax office. It's a combination Mm -hmm. Um, sure. I said, would you like a driver's license? And I said, well, I'll have to study. She goes, oh, just give me your old license. And they transferred ours. 
I said, there you go. And they asked us, would you like a CCW? A CCW? A concealed carry permit? Concealed weapons. And I said, well, yes, I would. And they gave a CCW for seven years, that same, that same Friday afternoon. Marvelous. My wife said, well, what should we do the rest of the day? I said, well, it happens to be a gun show starting up. Let's stop by there. I didn't buy anything except a purse for her. And on the way out, there was a charity raising funds for a childhood um, program. And it was sponsored by the NRA. So I gave them $10. Mm-hmm. And I got home and my phone rang. And it was the uh, NRA local chapter president saying, Mr. McFadden, congratulations. You just won two SIG compact pistols. His can, you, can you imagine that in California, Mark? There's my first Friday in Florida. Followed shortly by the lynch mob. Yes. Yeah. So welcome to Florida. Um, Pretty much. It was, it was a good day. It was a good day. Um, you know, um, but weather's good. Taxes are good. Um, we could afford to buy a home. Um, and, and how was the, how, and you mentioned moderate politics. So it's not arch conservative and it's not arch liberal. Do do people who support either party live in the same neighborhood, or do they segregate according to um, their political beliefs? Our, our our neighborhood's pretty much a mix, um, and, and you can look online and see who your neighbors are registered to, um, and we all get along. Um, I I think on on the Republican side, we're at forty seven percent in our neighborhood, and we're about. Uh, democratic about 40%. So, you know, it, it's close. Yep. It's close. Um, it, uh, the demographics of this particular, because of Cape Canaveral, I think the average per capita um, college engineers are 2% in the country, 4% somewhere in there. And in our neighborhood, it's 28%. Wow. And again, Cape Canaveral's here. So you really literally are living in base housing for a rocket launching site. <laughs> well, um, it's uh, 20 miles away, but, you know, when that thing takes off, you have a pretty good view and binoculars help a little bit. But, i got to uh, ask, what, what do you, if, if I was to put a um, Biden sign or a Trump sign, pick either one, Biden sign or a Trump sign in my front yard, would I um, catch any flack? No, none at all. Then people, I mean, I think there were three Biden signs and two Trump signs days before the election um, okay. out of 125 homes in the neighborhood. Okay. So, so it's it, pretty moderate it, anyway. No, we'd rather just go out and have coffee together. Yeah. Well, that sense you know, of growing up in California as a child, and it's the same time you did, Pete. We're, we're yeah. in the same age, and you grew up. Now, I say I was in Monterey, but um, during the week I was in Carmel Valley, right up in the village, um, on the on the uh, north side of the village, up in the hills. So, uh, we bordered the Holman Ranch, right. Um, I could look across the valley, and I could see the top ridge of the uh, San Carlos um, <laughs> Ranch. Um, the Wilmot Ranch was there. So I grew up around the ranches. I spent most of my, a lot of my time in Kishala. Um, and growing up there, 
you know, I felt like an American. I was an American. I felt free. And it's interesting, over the course of, you know, five decades, slowly, the politics that got chipped away and chipped away, it never seemed that bad. It never seemed unacceptable. Until I stepped away from it. And then I realized, you know, the rest of the country continued on. And because of the politics where I grew up, I actually no longer felt like the American I was the child. Boy, it's interesting. We had that exact statement made last week by our friends who moved to Texas. And it's interesting that they actually felt like they were in a foreign country when they came home to California and they felt um, uh, disliked, I guess would be the word. So, yeah. Interesting. It, it is. And as you know, uh, I've been back home three times and, um, one time you came and saved me on the side of the road with a flat tire. Thank you very much. He didn't yeah. fix my tire, by the way, anybody, uh, listeners out there, but he did bring me lunch. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so you could stay stuck. Yeah, I'm helpful. <laughs> yeah, well, I, but I was fed. I was well taken care of. Um, and, and, yeah, that's I, I felt like your other, your other guests um, when I came home. Um, and pendulums do swing back and forth. And I, I do hope for California that, that swings because I have two of my three children still live in California and, and I hope and pray for the best for them. Um, you know, but here, my wife and I look at each other routinely, weekly, bi-weekly, and, and thank each other for coming where we are. We both feel free again. Um, she joined the Navy and became one of the earliest of the Navy female commanders she did live in Florida for three years down in Key West, um, and, and she's grateful to be returning here. Um, and like I say, it, it's not us versus them here. It's not conser- all these conservatives and hating anybody on the left. It, it, it's a pretty good balance, and I, I need a balance. I, I don't, you know, I'll just personally say I don't appreciate one extreme or the other so much. Um, they, they, both extremes are a little too nutty for my taste. Yep. Um, Which is, I think, abnormal. As I said earlier in the show, the average American seems to financially and socially seems to be fairly moderate, you know, right kind of, they're, they're much more centrist than we get credit for. But let me ask a question. Uh, if I, if I hope I'm not giving away too much here, but your yours is a multiracial family. So you are some, at some level capable of gauging uh, racial tensions. And one of the myths of th- that we have here in California is that the rest of the nation isn't like us. We're woke and everybody else is, is racist, especially in the deep South. How's, what do you perceive about race in the deep South? What's your perception of race in Florida? Well, let's go back to moderate. Um, you know, I, I, I thought we were so well-balanced and understanding in California that I warned my daughters as they grew up because, uh, you know, their, their appearance is um, part Asian Filipino. Uh, I learned recently we have a very strong North American First Nations status as a family. Right. Um, that was a bit of a shocker. Um, but also my 
Even my 31st great-grandfather is Sancho Garcia. Uh, right. far, yeah. far, from, far from a McFadden Griffith or, or an O'Hara. Uh, yeah. <laughs> very, very different. So, um, yeah, it, it's uh, fairly balanced. Um, but do you feel racism in Florida? Do you perceive racism in Florida? Not so much. And as I, I, I love being an amateur historian. As you know, I, I was a docent for the uh, 21 California missions, primarily out of San Carlos, Monterey. Right. Um, I was trained as a docent for the state parks and trained as a docent for the city of Monterey. Um, while in Rochester, I was a docent historian for the George Eastman House, Kodak. Down, down here, I'm a docent for the American Police Hall of Fame. Um, mm-hmm. I, I seek seek that out because I love to learn. I love to be educated. Um, so, with that said, what I've learned here is that our, um, you know, those who are escaping um, slavery in the Bahamas and the Caribbean mm-hmm. came sure. to Florida. Um, there was a very um, American Indian population here. Yes. Uh, if I could use the term lovingly, a very black and proud, strong um, population here. Uh, sure, the black sentinels. Uh, uh, amazing. Um, if, if people want to consider me uh, a white, or as I'm now reclassifying myself, I am an Anglo European, Pete. Uh, <laughs> you can write that down. Sure. Uh, but I'm not. I, 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 I come from all over the planet. Um, yep. but, but call me white. Um, I'm the newcomer here. I'm, I'm the new one here. But you're not um, feeling the race. Spaniards, the Spaniards were here. Um, right. the, the Africans who, who escaped from the Caribbean were here. Um, and, and the Somali Indians which are, it's a, a, a nation of, a, a, a nation assumed of all the different tribes who needed to unite um, right. when the French and Spanish were here. So they, they, they became a nation. Um, they were all here first. Right. So racism, mm, you know, sometimes we use racism as an excuse for why I don't like somebody in particular. Right. Uh, I think that's more of an excuse. Um, now you have the, I mean, you are kind of unique also because I think you're the only um, CHP officer to survive getting hit by a semi. Um, you have the long distance flying record, I guess. But what? <laughs> if we only had wings, I had good angels. Um, yeah. You know, it, without too much detail, uh, understanding the coefficient of friction. Um, and for some people, things happen in an instant and they got, they can't remember it. For me, unfortunately, in dramatic instances, everything slows down for me. Um, yeah. uh, unfortunately for me, I knew that I didn't want my boots on the ground and I was able to go airborne intentionally. Um, so it tagged, it tagged me, but, um, if, if I'd had friction rubber rubber soles on the ground, I would have been hurt pretty bad. Um, so you were you were badly injured. Yes. One more reason. One more injury. One more reason to go to Florida rather than upstate New York. I would imagine you have to thaw out like the Tin Man. 
I I have more than my share of bone grass and metal implants. And uh, yeah, the, the weather changing drastically does kind of hurt the uh, the body. So you're in a place though. I'm I'm curious. The the big theme here in California is to defund the police. Uh, our COVID epidemic, which has been big. I mean, COVID. I've heard, I've heard about that. Yeah. Or two. Um, I mean, we've been through something big here. And one of the ways it manifested was to defund the, they want to defund the police. People do. What are your thoughts? Uh, first of all, as a, as a retired highway patrolman, what are your thoughts about defund the police? Boy. Without um, using swear words. Yeah. If you, well, <laughs> no, I have no swear words for it at all. Um, you get what you vote for and you get what yep. you pay for. Very simple. Very yeah. simple. Um, the financial reality of public safety, fire departments, police departments, for any municipality or government is that that will cost you one third of your municipal budget. Right. For the city of Sand City with 296 people, mm-hmm. and I worked with them, by the way, I did considerable amount of administrative work in the police department there. Um, and I worked for one of the largest agencies in the country, California Highway Patrol. Um, so I worked for the state of California. It, it takes an enormous amount to keep the public safe between fire departments and law enforcement. Well, hold on a sec. Let's back that up a little bit. I'm going to ask a, a rather ingenuous question on purpose. Uh, why? Are people, are there bad people out there? Or, I mean, the, the concept that we're working on is that, uh, that we don't need the police, do we? Yes, I mean, we it's ingenuous for a reason. So there are bad people out there, I guess is what I'm asking. There, well, there's a mixture of people. I mean, I, I saw um, about 2,700 people get put in the back of a patrol car. That's a lot of people. There's a lot of of people. And you know what? A lot of them um, were absolutely marvelous people. Absolutely marvelous people. Um, Some were really bad. Some had mental issues. Some people just had a bad day. Um, Speaking of bad days, for your average person, and here's some sociological statistics, um, EDP is the acronym, Emotionally Disturbed Person. Mm Mm-hmm. You're angry. Tomorrow you're going to be angry. So you're an EDP. 15% of our walking population at any time of the day, 15% are EDPs. You're having a bad day. Mm -hmm. That's a a huge... And tomorrow it'll be a different 15%. Okay? Then you have people with serious mental issues that that need full-time help. They need support from their families. They need help from a medical profession. They need help from their community. It, it, it's a team effort for the mental problems. And then we have some really bad people. And yeah. But there aren't very many of them, right? There's some really bad um, people, but they aren't. There would, aren't you like, would you like my stats on that? Sure. From my, Love from Love my they recorded how many flat tires I fixed. They recorded how many people I gave warnings to. How many people got a ticket? If uh, how many names I wrote down as witnesses? 
Mm-hmm. How many people were involved in collisions as passengers? It could have been a school bus. Mm-hmm. They had not two people anymore. Now you got 64. Um, I had to record every car I stopped, every person I helped, every warning I gave. And they told me I had three, just about 300,000 contacts, 302,000 in my career. Wow. That's a big city. Those people I met. I, I, and I, I've had to think through it many times over to come up. And the most I can remember are 12 really bad guys. But 12 out of 300,000. Yeah. And I mean really bad guys. Scary, Charlie Manson kind of bad guys. Um, but they're running the and crime. I, and I think, I, think, I think that's the average. Now, 12 people, let, let me just say this to you. They're very memorable. Okay. Yeah. I will always, always remember them. Why did I forget the other 288,888 whatever people? You do the math. You're, you're my human calculator, Pete. Sure. How can I forget all those other people? But I remember the 12. Mm-hmm. The 12 really bad people. I, I've got yeah, 53 metal, I got 53 metal implants to prove there were 12 people that didn't like me. Yeah, yeah. I bet you set the airport uh, the the airport systems off pretty nicely. I, I, even though this is family show, I think I can say this: I am on a first name basis the airport craftologist. Yes. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so, so the so getting back to it, it's a small small. You're as a retired policeman, Black Lives Matter. You're saying is under, it's cutting the pins off of. Law enforcement is essentially what you're saying. It's not likely to result in better policing? Um, no, absolutely not. What's going to happen is those 12 people, Pete, are going to be running rampant and free. The yep. EDPs, the people are having one bad day this year. Yep. When they when they would meet me and I'd say, come on, guy, let, let's let's relax. Why don't you go on home? And they go home. They, they go, oh, geez, officer, you're, thank you. You're, you're right. I'll, I'll go on my way. Um, or that, that ticket I gave you for that right-of-way violation or that following too close because you're angry. Um, that makes you behave better for the rest of the day. doesn't make your day much better, I understand. <laughs> but, but you will behave better for the rest of the day. And then tomorrow, you're not the EDP. You're not the 15%. So there's another 15% out there. There's another, other people have a bad day. You know, when, when I pull someone over... And I'm sitting there talking to them, and I'm giving them a warning. They say, you've taken an awful long time to give me a warning, officer. It's, it's been like six minutes. I say, yeah, but there's 300 cars that have driven by uh, past Ford Ord on Highway 1. Right. And they all think you're getting a ticket. Yep. And they're all going to behave better for 10 more minutes. <laughs> yeah. So true. pardon me pardon me if we talk just for a minute more, and I, I, I'm pretending I look angry. Um, and don't, don't speed again. Have a nice day. And uh, don't do this again. Yeah. Warning. So 300 more people behave. So, and that's called in-view patrol. That's a secret term we have at the academy, in-view patrol. Because they see me, they think I'm writing some poor guy a ticket. Yep. But they behave better for 10 more minutes. And that's all it takes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I get, I get that. 
I got to ask, what what does it feel? How does Florida state government feel compared to California state government? Now that you've been away, how does California, when you, what's your emotional first word reaction, California state government? Governor Newsom, first reaction. Well, maybe because I still feel like I'm on a honeymoon moving here. Um, I feel embraced. When, when this DeSantis gets on television and gives a talk and makes a new proclamation, it's like he did it just for me. <laughs> yeah. It's like, did we come out of the same mold? Yeah. I mean, he, he is helping people. He's helping people get back to work. Um, he, if you're one of those 12 out of 300,000 people, he's not cutting any slack. I'll tell you that right now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but if you're the other 290,000 people, he, he's behind you making your life better. Why do you think California state government is so pro petty criminal? Let me see. Um, well, not just petty criminals. From, from my perspective now, reading what I read and seeing what I see and knowing the government there, um, I'm trying to put this really nicely. <laughs> yeah. If, 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 a, if a governor or a politician does a uh, executive order, let's say, they, they bypass the legislative process to right. release criminals or to make something no longer a criminal process, it's probably to make sure that um, they themselves don't get arrested in the future. Okay. How's that? Okay. That, that's Another or family members. The one in the kind. Or family members. That's a good yeah. point. I, you know. I see their behavior. I see their behavior is constitutionally criminal. Wow. The politicians are constitutionally criminal. In California. Down too. Yep. Yep. Wow. So that leads to my next question. I got to ask, have you read my novel, The Pyre? I'm on uh, chapter two. Okay. And I bought it because no one sent sent me a free copy. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, sir. Uh, I'm happy to buy it. I bought one. I'm happy. Well, that's good. That that means that Amazon will accept your review then. That's good. But the, the interesting thing is that I took that feeling that you're discussing, and you and I have never discussed that feeling before, but I took that feeling and I extrapolated it into, instead of implicit criminality and, and members of the family, et cetera, I extrapolated it into, first of all, I extrapolated it into overt criminality, although disguised by uh, by virtue signaling, and I uh, I made sure that the local governments are represented in that. Um, so yeah, it's in there. I look forward to your comments. I look forward to what you uh, what you get out of that. So where do you go from here? I got to ask what 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 are your plans? Um, I want to I want to sit on a nice patio, um, <laughs> shaded shaded by. Um, by grapevines, enjoying a glass of red wine in northern Italy soon, I hope. Um, yeah. <laughs> we've not been able to travel much except within Florida in the last year and a half. So we're, we're, we're looking forward to travel and enjoying our lives at this point. We are retired, um, but I, as you know me very well, I don't sit still so well. 
Um, so I am volunteering as a docent at one of the museums locally. Um, anything historical that I can study, I'm studying. I'm learning quite a bit about Florida and a very rich history of people and cultures. Uh, right. It doesn't go back to the 1500s as much as maybe you know, California with the Spanish stopping there or New York. Right. Um, my wife and I are doing genealogy. Um, mm -hmm. She's a daughter of the American Revolution and very much a patriot in my heart. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm learning a lot. I, I shamefully do not have a patriot in my family. And what I mean by that is a Revolutionary War participant. Um, That's because they come out of France, French Canada, right? Uh, there's a, I, I did not know I had that. Uh, yeah. yeah, we go back to the year um, 1496 and along the St. Lawrence River, 1496. Amazing. And that, that's for the, uh, the Anglo-European half of the family. Wow. Um, the, the, the First Nation part goes back, I, I, however far, the First Nation, North American Indians, for those of you. Um, how far back those go? Uh, 10,000 years? 20? Well, they're now pushing it back all the way to 30, so uh, on the coasts anyway. So, you're you're into a limitless amount of historical study, I have to say. Now, um, what do you miss most about California? I miss the heart and soul. I miss uh, downtown Monterey, the adobe walls, and the and the, um, the walls that were made out of the early Carmel stone, and the, the life that that breathes down there. Um, I enjoyed my morning walks. Yep. Um, I, I feel I feel as that was cheated and stolen from me. How so? Um, and that, those are just um, by the politics, by the taxes, yep. um, by, by the infrastructure. Um, you know, the homeless population is growing, and I, and I don't behoove the, um, the individuals that have become homeless over it. It's the state and the nature uh, of the politics and the economy. Sure. Um, it's a disservice. It should be growing and thriving. People should be allowed to enrich themselves. You, sure. know, you can't enrich me, Pete. I have to do that for myself. But it helps okay. that there's an economy and a political environment that allows for me to do that. Miss the food? No, I still cook here. Okay. <laughs> yes. But, but is the food different out there? Um, there's Cuban food. That's new for me. Um, it, um, that's What's actually that wonderful. There's now, there's, if you love shellfish and you love uh, shrimp and you love scallops and you love the seafood, um, it's wonderful. I love the taste of it, but I've developed an, an allergy an anaphylactic reaction to it since I turned 50. Oh my goodness. Um, I can't, I can cook it for anybody and they seem to like it. Yep. Um, they, they, that's fun. Um, I loved cooking in Monterey, uh, like, like yourself. And, um, you know, as a kid, high schooler, I worked in restaurants. So I, I had an affinity for wanting to learn that. Sure. Um, I brought that here with me. Now, what have you done to, uh, replicate or replace San Carlos uh, Cathedral? Because oh. you were a bell ringer. You were probably the bell ringer there. <laughs> yeah, Quasimodo. Yeah, you yeah. were, and you lived in the attic for a while. So, yes. 
kind yes, of we door, next door to the cathedral. Let's get that right. Yeah. <laughs> I lived in a, a, a building that was built in 1853, um, 1843, I should say, 1843, um, next door. But it was within the Presidio walls itself. I was probably one of the few civilians that was allowed to live in the authentic Presidio walls. Right. Um, Nicola Sarah. Um, but um, there, there, there is a fine church and, and faith community here that, that is taking care of me there. Um, the early COVID restrictions did, never did close the doors here to the church. Really? You had to sit apart and uh, skip pews. Uh, it, um, it, it didn't stop anybody here. Uh, the, the state has thrived and survived um, spiritually and financially. And uh, COVID didn't shut the place down completely like it did here in California? Absolutely not. No. People were polite and gen- generous enough to wear masks, even when not required. Mm-hmm. Um, like my wife and I went into production and for cancer patients, um, people at hospitals, nurses, doctors, we made 1,000 masks, uh, three-layered masks. And we're still wearing them out here. You sent a bunch of them out here to people like my 100-year-old mother, and we're still wearing them. So. Very good. Yeah. Um, it, it didn't shut down here. Um, my, it just a, kept going forward. Yeah, no, my wife's sending me notes here. Um, no. there were, <laughs> she can talk. She's correct, correcting me appropriately. There were a couple parts of the state that did literally close down. Uh, Key West shut the state highway. There, oh, they did. They're very far left from center down there. They're their own little conch nation, conch being one of the seashell creatures that they right. consume. Um, and they shut down, they locked down, and they closed the state highway. Well, our governor said, I'm sorry, but that's my highway. <laughs> <laughs> it's not yours. Um, um, Orlando uh, shut down, I'd say, moderately, and uh, Tampa even more. But again, the larger in Miami. Um, But those, much like L.A. or New York City or San Francisco, are our dense urban populations uh, who vote extremely to one direction rather than moderately. Okay. Yeah. And uh, how's the fear level out there? Repeat that. How is the fear level out there? I mean, in other words, one of the things that was fascinating to me about 2020 that just really was interesting, again, it it reflected uh, the novel, The Pyre, which was written in 2019, interestingly, before COVID happened. But the government used fear here in California to evoke some behaviors. Some of them were good behaviors. I mean, like you're talking about wearing masks, and that's appropriate. Some of them may have been a little bit of overreach. And how's the fear level out there? Um, fortunately for us, the governor did not promote fear. Um, he did very positive things. Um, right in the beginning, about the time we started selling a mask, uh, rather than demanding that the feds send him masks, that the feds do this and the feds do that, he wrote a check to 3M and many other companies, and he bought what he believed we would need as far as masks go. They started the vaccine process. He didn't demand that the feds take care of Florida. He contacted the manufacturers and said, how much can we buy for our state? So months and months in advance, six months, 12 months in advance of the actual need, he was making sure the supplies came in, diminishing 
ears, taking care of business. Um, as you know, I, I wrote, while in California during my career, I wrote um, FEMA emergency plans for small cities, for school districts, and rewrote them. Um, I studied earthquakes. I planned, I worked with CERT with FEMA. CERT is Community Emergency Response Teams. Right. Um, and so I, I was teaching and, and preparing for, or the word mitigating, um, for any possibility that would come up. And that seems to be what Florida did. They were mitigating. Um, sure, they're in front of it. So that, that helps. And the, the one thing that helps them do the mitigation, so they actually have a balanced budget here. Uh-huh. Um, and not in the not in the rear. Um, well, California. So that, was, that was helpful. Yeah. That was helpful for them. When you can write a check for the things your state needs and your people need and your hospitals and your doctors need, um, that, that makes it a little easier on the guy. Um, so we, we fell into Florida. We fell into Cape Canaveral prior to COVID happening. Um, yes, good for you. You know, of course, you know, I made sure we got a new generator. I made sure, you know, I wired the house for it. You know me very well, Pete. You know, the, the 50 gallons of water um, um, and doing things of that nature. Um, the thing is, you're out in front of mm-hmm. I don't get the impression that that there was as much political opportunism about COVID in Florida as there was here, where a lot of social attempts. There were some attempts in Tampa, in Miami, and in Orlando a little bit, but any time they started rattling their sabers, if we could use that term, um, the state government would say, "No, no, no, fine," and and it turned out, it turned out. We were fine. Yeah. Moderation yeah. in government. What a concept. Yep. Um, now, things that have helped us with the, the budget and so on. Again, we fell into Florida. We didn't fall in. We, we made a choice for our needs to be here. Um, mm-hmm. Within a couple of months of being here, seven major corporations, to include a Musk with SpaceX, mm-hmm. um, Blue Horizon, Orion, uh, Boeing reorganized and moved out of the Beltway in BC, and they moved all their space employees to Cape Canaveral. There were sure. seven corporations who all invested a cash investment mm-hmm. into Central Florida, into the county I'm in. They each invested one billion dollars each cash revenues into this county. So that didn't hurt us either. Well, this morning, Snowflake, the the uh, technology corporation, just bailed. It's not a political term. It's actually there is an actual corporation. I'm trying to balance what you just said. Yes, yeah. <laughs> and and it it's relocated. Just announced this morning, it's leaving California. So the the flight continues. Mm-hmm. The flight on. I think I think they're kind of done with the the intensity of the politics here. Musk Musk Musk. California, he nearly pulled out of Fremont when yep. they wouldn't let him reopen his factory. Uh, yep. He's a he's kind of a doer. He doesn't ask for permission. He doesn't threaten anybody. He does what's best right. for his company. Um, and he does it before he makes a press release. Uh, right. He, he left California with his headquarters, uh, although he left plenty of factories there doing doing work. Yep, for, for the time being anyway. My prayers, my hopes... Come from my dreams that California will recover and California will do well. 
Um, yes. I don't think it's, I think it's going to take a couple of decades and, you know, it, you know, in, in my, my early sixties, a couple of decades is, is a, a the clock's ticking for me. Sure. Um, so I, I'm here for the rest of my life. I'll come and visit. Nice uh, place to be. And you've got yes. it and Disney world. <laughs> Haven't been there, but um, yeah. Well, yeah. COVID, COVID shut I everything down. Wrote a note here. She said it is a wonderful place that's growing and where there's hope for the smiley face. Good. So we're for us. We're in the land of hope. Good. And uh, come and visit, Pete. Good. I will. Now, Mark, any questions? No, I just, um, I, all I can say is I hear more and more people like Tim that have left California and gone anywhere else in the country. And, and all those other places have become lands of hope. Because if you're a middle-class person in California, this state's no longer a land of hope for you. It is a, is a, it is a gentrified state um, for a, a small elite. And for them, the world is great and every day is sunny. But if you're a middle-class person or a lower-middle-class person, a poor person, um, it's a constant struggle just to keep your head above water in this state. And it seems that Sacramento really is only interested in, in making the struggle harder and harder for, um, for poor people. That's how it feels for me, for me, too. And interestingly, the state of California has uh, just declared its largest budget surplus ever. So go figure. You know, all those all those high taxes, excess taxes, or um, <laughs> we know where they're going to Sacramento, right? Yep, yep. Well, if, if you're doing, if you're going to remember anything while you stay in California, remember that Pelosi is Governor Newsom's aunt. Okay, there you go. We'll keep that in mind when you vote. Yep. Thank you, Tim, for being here. Thank your wife for passing notes. Wendy, thank you. Thank you for the masks, and thank you for the hope. She's waving at you with all her fingers. <laughs> all right, that's going to do it for this week's program. Be sure to join us next Saturday between 4 and 5 p.m. We have a special program for you, and we'll be telling you about that on next week's program at 4 o'clock show. Be sure to join us here for the Pete Andreessen Show on Power Talk 1460 and 101 FM. Thank you, Pete. Thanks. Wonderful to be here. Have a great week. The preceding was a paid commercial program, and the views expressed are those of the speaker and do not reflect the views or opinions of iHeartRadio, its staff, or management. iHeartRadio is the easy-to-use app for music and radio. Download the free iHeartRadio app today. This 1460 is and 101 FM Power Talk.